Welcome to this, I think it's Wednesday. Is it a Wednesday? I think it's a Wednesday webcast. A little bit earlier than normal, but you know, needs must. Yeah. Um, and uh, myself and Al are joined tonight by Sarah Anderson from Foster Wiki Wiki. Yeah, I was going to say, get the song out for both of you. Come on, get the song out of the way first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so welcome back, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. Lovely to be here. Good, good. So what are we here to discuss tonight, Al? Well, you can tell I've done it, zilch preparation for the, well, I, I have, but I, I, I know don't believe really. you've done zilch. I would imagine you've probably <laughs> scrolled through Facebook for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I would, well, to be honest with you, we've been trying to speak for ages and we're just one of those things where we, we pushed it back for a week and we couldn't have diaries and schedules because I think there's been lots of happening in terms of the momentum behind Foster Wiki and some of the campaigns, some of the court cases. And it just, so I think mm. even if we just had a general catch up, but I also know in the midst yeah. of all that, you've been sort of compiling research, you've got campaigns going, mm. start at the beginning and work your way through them. That's that's the best <laughs> way of going it. Yeah. Alphabetical order, please. Alphabetical order. Um, well, we've been working on recruitment. Uh, that's a very, very big topic at the moment. It's on everybody's yes. Now, I, can, I would like to ask you a question, actually, because the government have just started the pilot for the regional recruitment hubs, and I believe you had something similar in adoption. Um, yeah, I mean, your friend, Mark, your and my friend Marco is, is heading up um, or working with the, the team that are doing the recruitment hubs. I think they've got some good ideas. I think, you know, it could do with a little bit more innovation. Let's see what they come up with. But um, I'm afraid sometimes that we go down the same rabbit hole um, and so, nothing so, will Just stop you before, because we... There's a lot of stuff that we know because we're kind of around this stuff mm. all the time. So when you say the government has set up some recruitment hubs or some, well, they're sort of trialling recruitment hubs, aren't they? Is that mm. maybe a better way of saying it? So tell yeah, me so what... The, it's from the care review. The money from the care review is being spent on the regional recruitment hubs. I think there's several local authorities um, involved up in the north and they've all got together and they're doing these recruitment hubs. Um, and it's not small money, is it? And, but it's not linked to specific no. agencies. It's it's so I, what I know of the one in the northeast, for example, is that it's across a whole range of different local authorities. But I guess under that umbrella, there'll be regional, uh, but there'll be independent foster care agencies. But I'm not sure they're included. No, are they? I don't think they are included. No, it's just the it's just the local authorities. Yeah. Um, but the, the figures are really staggering in foster care. I'll give you some figures, for instance. Yes. We haven't got the uh, latest government figures, which I believe come out in November for fostering, but last year's statistics were 138,000 inquiries to foster. Yeah. Then 5,670 of those went into assessment. That's all. Nearly 4,000 pulled out. And 70% withdrew themselves. So out of the initial 138 inquiries, we had 1,745 foster carers approved out of it. Now, I cannot believe for a minute that 136,000 people weren't suitable to foster. Uh, So that's, for me, where the issues are with this. Yeah, I mean, I and as a you know, I guess there's there's a full disclosure to be had from my point of view is that I am the registered Mm. manager of a small independent foster care agency. Um, and my experience of recruitment is that a lot of people will ring up 
and say, mm-hmm. I'm interested in fostering. And you and they say, but I haven't got a spare room at the moment, uh, or I've got 37 Alsatians. Um, there's a lot of, if we're talking about that very, very mm-hmm. front door, you get a lot of that number 138,000. Mm-hmm. That's a really big hopper that's connecting mm-hmm. everyone, people who are just fancying it, they're just in passing, and they mm-hmm. they find out that actually that's just is not for them. Yeah, so, no, I absolutely appreciate I mean, that. Is, I just that don't where the, think, is that where the figures are a bit big, you know? Hmm? The figures start literally at that point when somebody rings a fostering agency and says, I would I, I would like to think about fostering, say, as an example. Sorry, I've started yeah, I think about fostering. That's the, called the initial is, inquiry, yeah. Right. Okay, because that seems yeah. a bit weird that they would include. Um, I'm probably a bit confused. No, I'm not confused by that. I'm saying that, you know, if, if somebody was ringing up and they just weren't in a place to be able to foster yeah why would they register that as a i don't know if they do scott i haven't actually a very very good question one i'll look into Mm. um but actually if it was 138 inquiries that did have a spare room that's even more worrying yeah well it is and but i think that from my experience what i know is that the the legislation is that that the start point is an an initial inquiry form which is name address Mm -hmm. really Mm. Not very many details. So if yep. you've got a website, that is your initial inquiry form. You you go, oh, I'm interested in fostering. Put my name, my address, my contact details. I'm interested in fostering. And that could be the initial inquiry. And that's a statutory requirement. Mm. And then the way it would be you'd go to a, a conversation, a visit. Yeah, yeah, and it would yeah, be, then yeah, it would be yeah. a formal application. And then so yeah. there's lots of, there's yeah. lots of points very, that could be measured at. I'm very, very on that, actually, because we are just... Um, writing our own assessment process. Right. We think that the whole thing needs a complete overhaul um, and it's a bit of a dinosaur, the form F, and we need to look at a completely different model. There, I'll throw that hand grenade in there. <laughs> well, Scott, you've had a form F done. Yeah. Well, Scott, you've had a form F done, I have, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. So, I've had Well, yeah. It was very, well, when I think back to it, um, and bear in mind, 2013, I think we started it, I think, with an independent fostering agency. Yeah. And it was, I, I, you're right. I think that um, it's very clunky. And uh, I get why some of it is like that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, let's face it, you know, we're not going to just let anybody foster because that would just be, you know, ridiculous. But I did find it very clunky. And what I did kind of uh not necessarily f- push against but what i think frustrated us was our previous experiences were not taken into account within that so you know we'd adopted before sorry we'd adopted twice yeah. um and there was none of that taken into account yes they you know they spoke to the boys and all that sort of stuff but there was none of that kind of working with our assessing agency for adoption to say actually do you know what these guys have adopted absolutely yeah. What can we use that's already been done yep. rather than just, you know, doing yeah, extra yeah. work? But I guess, um, you know, the the kind of the end processes in fostering are very, well, I mean, the whole process, let's face it, is very similar to adoption um, in terms of how it kind of rolls. Mm-hmm. But I did find it a very lengthy process considering. Um, and I think that when I then got involved in uh, Special Guardians, 
or you know other permanents, should we say, in panels, I found that as equally frustrating because there was this kind of assumption that you know special. I know it's not relevant to fostering, but special guardians were just assumed to be taking these children in, but there was no kind of real assessment process done. It was all based on the fostering process. Mm which, you know, is, is very different. But I think for me, the Form F was just very clunky. Um, it was, uh, I've not experienced a, a local authority for, um, Form F assessment, but certainly from a private private fostering agency, there was, there was a lot of I's to dot and a lot of T's to cross. And, you know, I think that they kind of went above and beyond where they should have been to mm. kind of get to that yeah. point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot that they do that aren't in the regulations. First of all, let me stipulate absolutely. Yeah. Actually, we think ours is stronger on safeguarding. Um, ours is also not driven. You know, we don't think that this is a, a a foster carer should. We don't think it should be done by one person because that's one person's opinion all the way through. And there's an awful lot of people that drop out due to you know, a personality clash with a social worker or the social worker has a particular frame of reference for I don't like that, you know. It shouldn't be done by one person. Mm. Um, we also want a strengths-based assessment process, exactly, Scott, fo focusing on what skills people are bringing in with them, also centred around integrated in the system is going to be our National Foster Carers Qualifications, the foundation qualification, which is an absolute all-encompassing. We're launching this week. <coughs> they will be so much more well-trained on day one. Mm. This NF, um, the National Foster Carer Groups, where they can relate, um, practice with skilled carers or social workers, and it will also um, include the, we think it's top hip, Hop heavy in the wrong place. It shouldn't be one person that goes to a whole panel of people right at the end for a bit of tire bow around it. It should be a lot more chunky at the beginning. And so what much. What does that? I mean, I mm. I undertake form Fs. I've undertaken mm, you know, across mm. my career, and I mean they're they're an interesting document in that you've got to be qualified a certain number of years to undertake them. Um, there's a there's a real. Um, I mean they're. They're peculiar in the, the statutory framework is it's got to be completed within nine months, start to end, which for adoption is six months, which I don't, yeah. which is a complete nonsense because you would have thought adoptions for life, fostering potentially isn't. Yeah. Um, so what you talk about strength-based model. I mean, maybe we're getting into the long grass of, of models yeah, of assessment. Yeah, I want to give it all what away. What do you mean? Well, Are you gonna, you're keeping um, your powder dry. <laughs> I, I keep a bit of my powder dry, but... <laughs> um, can I point out to you as well that the Form F is nothing to do with the government or regulations? No, it's just a, it's it's just a purchased model. It's just one organisation who is actually a membership organisation for local authorities and agencies, not for foster carers. Yeah. It's their version of, mm. you know, uh, um, the, their interpretation yeah. of the regulations. Now, um, strengths-based for me is about people being able to be empowered earlier. I always think that the form F, I've been through several myself, it doesn't try to build you up, it breaks you down. I know you'll disagree, Al, fervently, because you do it. You're on the other end of it. And I've, had, the only I've been that, through a few. I've been through <laughs> a few myself. But also, but, you know. it's, well, when foster carers get to be foster carers, there is no strength in their own, you know, there's not enough confidence, self-confidence. We want a lot more self-assessment through the process as well, so that there's a huge amount of self-reflection. 
um, and, you know, written work and other on um, reflecting on their own frame of reference, their own ideas. We just want an, a much more empowered, stronger assessment process, um, um, not a sort of cottage industry, sit around the co- and have a coffee and talk about your past thing. Well, well, I mean, I, 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 well, so so I'm just going back to what you were saying there, Sarah, and I agree that there needs to be kind of a, almost like a qualification because actually, foster carers are professionals. You know, you can you can stick this thing that they're just kind of temporary parents or whatever up your backside. They are professionals, and I remember being packed a big folder to do an MVQ style thing. And this was, I think, three months after we'd been approved. Now, bear in mind, I have a husband and a job, two kids uh, who are in high school, and then a foster child who eventually became our own child. When the hell have I got time to fill in this big, bulky folder on my own with no support, no help, mm. all that sort of stuff? I mean, that's something that should be done through the the the, the assessment process, surely. Mm. Um, I mean, if you've not got the skills to foster, then you shouldn't be fostering. Forgive me for saying that, but, you know, surely that Absolutely. that should be done at the beginning, you know, so that you've got so your... That's what we're doing. It's called the NFCQ Integrated Assessment Process. What also is so important for us as well, from our point of view, is this is the start of a piece of work, not a standalone yeah. piece of work. Yeah. So that the foster carers just begin there and then grow from there. They don't leave their for And also, we believe that their assessing social workers should be involved in that process too amongst yeah. the team. Absolutely. Because they then start fostering with the confidence of somebody they know very well. And that's yeah. really important in terms of support. So um, there is nothing to take away from the safeguarding. We think in many respects it's probably safer. We're front loading it not end loading it um i don't think we need panel <laughs> oh see i like oh, panel. That's a bit of a grenade, isn't i know it? i like panel because it's just nice to be you know i i, I think it could be less formal in terms of I don't decision think and all that sort of stuff like it's yeah see, i do yeah i am very <laughs> weird it's short, it's short time yeah you should know that by now but also mm-hmm. my my experience panel was quite different because the chair i knew <laughs> <laughs> and also yeah uh, yeah it was quite no i mean the the chair when it came to placing and all that sort of stuff but anyway yeah. i was deferred now yeah we know You're deferred. Yeah. i think so i think i've, oh, I've been deferred like three or four times face. some you know fashion Arrest sense yeah should never have been allowed to do it <laughs> <laughs> well no, if you believe everything you read on the internet that's true yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there well, we are. Yeah. That's uh, that's one of the things we've been doing. Um, can, can I say though? Um, I just want to, my reflection on all of this is that it often comes down to the assessor, and I think that yep. that for me, my experience of having them done to me, um, supervising people doing them and doing mm. them, that the how people are taken through any, regardless of you could come up with the best format you've got, the the practitioner is the key because they can, you can deliver a difficult process in a way that empowers, that is, that people feel heard, that people feel their strengths are drawn out, or you can do it in a way that just feels like they're ticking boxes. I think case, that it's far, far too, um, 
hit and hope. And I think that we shouldn't be in the hands of one assessor. And that's because also we were also doing it in units. So if a carer hasn't quite got through one unit, we can go back with them and say, or the, you know, there's a lot of autonomy in this. We're not running it, but we will help. But they can go back over that unit, see where they weren't, where the, where they were weak, where they could improve, work with them on that. So we don't necessarily lose people, but it must be more people on the assessment than the panel sat at the end. We have to have several um, people's frame of reference on foster carers, not one person all the way through. And it is very, very inconsistent um, in terms of who well, yeah. assesses. Mm. I'm not definitely going to go at the assessors. You know, they work bloody hard and yeah. I take my hat off to them. This isn't about that at all. This is about modernising a system that desperately needs it. <clears throat> but I would argue that it is about the assessors because I think that you've, mm-hmm. got, you've got to have, you know, the, the best system in the world wielded by people who are incompetent or not capable, maybe is a better way of saying it, or not experienced mm. it becomes it, it becomes just as good as the person yeah facilitating it dreadful stories just well, dreadful. Say, I mean, i'm not going to do them but no you know i, mean, I have I, had some, yeah. some really bad experiences but i don't want to say that's the general thing i for my mind it's about revolutionizing and modernizing in order to recruit more recruit better to have people better trained when they start our foundation course that they will do in that assessment period is absolutely, you know, um, an in, in-depth, proper look. And also carers need to be uh, educated about the system. Yeah. You know, so many people start and they go, I mean, when I started, I remember saying, oh, somebody said there's the lack review this afternoon or next week or whatever. And I had yeah. to turn around to my child and go, What's a lack review? Mm. She was a sort of seasoned pro, you know, yeah. my new child, and been through 20,000 lack reviews in 50 different placements. And she went, oh, well, this is what it is. I mean, I'm hoping it's better now, but it actually, I mean, somebody last week rang the helpline at FosterWiki or got in touch via email. We don't have phone lines yet, but we did ring her. Distraught, destroyed. Um, she'd started fostering with an agency on a first aid certificate. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that they're all that bad, but there are these sort of things have to be, you know, we have to stop that kind of thing. Desperation mm-hmm. is not an excuse to just let anybody look after our kids. And we cannot continue to say, well, we're desperate, so we just need to, if you've got a spare room, come on in. No, we have to find another way. But are we saying, I mean, because back to the original point, which was this kind of this really high level of people, um, sort of making an, an inquiry, whatever that mm. means in the framework and the legislation. But then the actual people coming out of the other end of the pipeline is it's less than 1%, isn't it? Give or take. It's about yeah. 1%. Yeah. Mm. And so but what are the barriers? Is it that people actually get to know the system and go, I don't want to be part of that, or people coming away? Mm. Do no, we know I why people know. don't get through? I think that um, we had did some secret shoppers um, and actually, we're probably going to do it a little more, bit more um, to produce some data on it because yeah. um, we've just sort of just gave a few secret jobs. A um, lot of apathy from the local authority recruitment teams. 
Yeah. Really, you know, we'll hack and it arrives a week later. The local the agencies are quite pushy and will be all over it like a rash. So they def, they often win, um, but they aren't. They didn't feel the secret was didn't feel they were giving out of people about things, and then they were being a bit furry about what what you could earn doing it because a lot of them were saying well if I give up work to foster if I want to do teenagers you know what is the remuneration so there was a there and then there were things like oh we shouldn't be talking about the money at this stage and there were quite a lot of rude things when honest you know (laughs) I mean mean, we get I've worked with people sorry sorry Scott yeah no shut up Al um (laughs) no because I mean yes it is uh something that is kind of very sensitive to talk about, but actually people are giving up part of their lives to welcome someone in. So, I mean, the remuneration mm-hmm. should be talked about in some way, shape or form very early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yes, I know that there are, some, there are, cause let's face it. And Sarah, you know this, there are some people who do it for the money, but, Absolutely there, but, are but, but that's, I, mm-hmm. I would imagine that's a very small proportion of foster carers mm-hmm. that actually do it just for the money. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones that are, they will be found out <laughs> because if they're not caring for a child properly and you know it's just about well, money and that's different well, can i separate the two those two points because i think that's fine if you do this as a source of income so what what's yeah, wrong no, with that absolutely I, I, I did yeah i'm not saying years. that's a bad thing yeah. i'm not saying yeah. that's a bad thing yeah. that's what that's yeah. that's why i got into it because i was yeah. still at home i was still a stay at home mm. dad and i thought what can i do so let's go mm. foster and you know make a um a, a bit of not a bit of money because no, there's but, not but very much money in fostering. Yeah, exactly. We're not rich fostering. But also, why should we expect people to foster to live on the breadline? It's the only um, occupation I know where the less you're paid, somehow you're better at the job. Mm. You know, we can't, we yeah. need to be, we need not, we need to have these conversations. They're really important. Yes, we need to weed out those that do it for the money. It's a complex situation. Of course it is. Yeah. But I tell you what, in all honesty, we need to face up to the fact that we need to improve and raise standards of foster care across the country. There are some not very good foster carers out there. We keep calling them all heroes and angels. Um, but we need to, you know, have a look in the mirror as foster carers and, and yeah. really focus on what these children need so badly as well. Placements are breaking down. They get handed around the system. Yeah. You know, we need to focus, laser focus, on the quality of care they're getting from the foster carers. Yeah. I'm going to move us on because we've we got, yeah. I mean, we could keep going in that subject because I feel like it's a really Indeed. deep. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what else you crazy cats at Wicca Wicca have been up to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can't help yourself. <laughs> I, 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 I could literally hear myself saying. I'm surprised you haven't rebranded yet. I'm surprised you haven't rebranded to say to you yourself, Foster Wicca Wicca. Yeah. Labour of Love for the last couple of years, we've been working on, it's going to be um, actually, I'll announce it here because it's going to be launched this week, the National Foster Carers Qualifications. Um, A a huge group of people got together and everybody says the same thing, that the training is too fragmented. You never know just how a foster carer is trained and whether they're going to meet the needs of the child. Um, We needed a robust education that pulled everything together um so uh, rather than all these little bits of training here and bits of training there and to a good standard so we've um 
launched the National Foster Carers Qualifications. The foundation course is ready. Um, we're still working on the intermediate and the advanced, but they will go up to quite a high level, the advanced. Um, I do, honestly, but it, I mean, another bit of a grenade. I mean, will we end up with two streams of foster carers, the professional stream and the others? You know, will we? I don't know. We, it is the, the most other. <laughs> well, yeah, professionals and amateurs. But... Want to, you know, we need to have people want to further their education all the time. We do need people that want to continually develop mm. their education, specifically in trauma-informed care. We are failing these children until we start improving things. Oh, you know, I know I spoke to our friend Mark the other day. Um, he was actually on LinkedIn and he's repeated from the care review. Um, I agree with so much, he says, but the one thing I don't agree with is fostering is a success story. Um, as far as I'm concerned, foster care is only as good as your care leavers. Um, and, you know, it's only good, as good as the experiences those children have going through it. And so many people have very settled placements up till the teenage years, often for many years. And there's such a breakdown point at that point. Yeah, I was kind of maybe... Is there a caveat to that? Because you, this idea that the the outcome is a reflection on the carer, because I think that the carers are one piece of a jigsaw of that child's care experience. Your you know child that will have potentially can have a really high turnover of social workers, independent reviewing officers, the quality of the school, and also the child's pre-care experience has a huge influence on their post-care experience, doesn't it, as well? So I think it's really, yeah. it, it's tempting to say, oh, well, foster care is failing. But it's a much more nuanced than that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I agree, but complexity, should ne- we should never use that as a reason for not improving. You've just said the IROs change, the social workers change, schools change, you know, you've got contact and everything. If you've got the safe place in the centre of that, where that child feels safe and secure to go out in the world and then be buffered against social work change and be buffered against things, help with their contact with their families. And I'll tell you why I know, and you guys probably know, I've done it for 15 years. And not one of my children have ended up homeless, quite the reverse. And I'm not saying I'm some fantastic carer, I'm not. I just happened to have the skills when I came in. And was very keen to learn as quickly as I possibly could um, and had an inquiring, curious mind. And also, had this, I'd, I'd counselled some 8,000 hours of children, many of them looked after. So I had a unique perspective yeah. and also knew how to work in a trauma-informed way. So it's no coincidence that, you know, we've had a higher number to university. We've got uh, grandchildren out there in settled family homes without a social worker in sight with our looked after ex looked after children you know it really it really can be a success story but I don't and I'm not blaming the carers I don't think we equip them properly we certainly don't support them enough um yeah that comes up time and time again but we don't equip them properly and that's we are just part of the puzzle yes but I feel that equipping them with a better education from day one because don't forget of those 1740 foster carers that were approved, a third of them will be gone in just over a year. And uh, I guess uh, my experience, again, um, fostering for a certain length of time, 
you know, everybody thinks that, oh, well, they, they receive training because that's part of the, you know, whatever. So what is it for? Mm. Training things. Are you, I'm saying things because it well, could be anything. There's, no, there's no legislation around that. Well, exactly. But the, I, I certainly from, and again, this was a private agency, so it could have been different. You know, I don't know what they're thinking. But, you know, for kind of uh, training events a year you had to attend, or one of you had to attend, not both of you, mm -hmm. just one of you. Um, so is there this kind of um, misconception that actually by providing training for foster carers, they're, they're supported? No, they're what? That they're supported. Is that, yeah, is that, no. is that like a, just a fallacy, you know? I think so. And the other thing that we've got in terms of support, what the other thing that we've um, integrated into our national foster care qualifications is what we call the NFCQ groups. Um, we are, we have got a group. Um, so each local authority or agency can have their own NFC groups and they can, the foster carers, the experienced foster carers within their um, settings can do the, we've got a proper, um, course on how to uh, deliver uh, a group you know how to uh, co oh god my, it's too late. It'll be ahead. yes not not supervise it quite different you know this is that yeah. because one of the huge things that for cost of carers say over and over again every review every i want to be treated professionally now yeah. if they've got better qualifications and then what these groups are which don't exist anywhere it's not support groups not bingo it's not a cup of tea it's actually relating theory to practice we could even help with placement breakdowns by people sharing their knowledge and their skills how they might have coped with that situation in a really bounded and safe place foster carers are quite scared to talk out when they are go to support groups mm -hmm. but we want to provide a really professional state space for them where they feel really respected <laughs> they can run their own groups and you know uh, i think that it's a really really good opportunity to show foster carers how much by the agents and local authorities that they respect them as their own professional sector i'm mm -hmm. use the word professional I usually say professionally because it's such a hot potato, whether, the, you know, a foster care is a professional or not. Um, so I use it in a looser term, but it's about being treated professionally. And also how many of us could raise our game by having these groups and feel more confident, feel more heard, feel more that our actual, you know, uh, education that we do take on board and the learning we do actually means something and how we relate it to our practice. So I'm quite excited about that as well. That's exciting. Um, where can people find out about that if they want to? Uh, so just a week <clears> week on, I'm going to, um, on Friday, we're going to launch all over every platform. Um, we've already got some agencies interested cool. and some local authorities. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so, so that would be Friday the 21st, I believe, 19th, 20th. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that, that sounds really interesting and people can find that. That'll be all mm. over the internet. So yep. that's two things. Tell me about another thing that you've been doing. What else have you been up to? How's the court well, case going in, in yeah, terms of so, the <coughs> professional or not professional? Just a little explainer for people who don't know what the court case is. Um, this started back many a year um, when we started talking about foster carers having workers' status. Because clearly, if you look at um, the government's uh, statuses for employment, 
we are we come within the worker category. First of all, let me blow one myth out of the water. This is not about being an employee. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes. It is still a part of self-employed, but it just gives you some more rights. Actually, we already are workers. So when people say, oh, everything will change, it won't actually. We'll just get our rightful um, classification. People there don't want to do it because it's about money and about other challenges and things like that. So what happened, We I started off, as you know, in a small union many years ago, and the um, guy from there, Robin Finley, he went off and he wanted, he thought we were better off having our own union that wasn't attached to other <coughs> sectors, you know, and he was right. So, but they refused to register the union because we're all self-employed, the government. So Robin took them all to court. I was part of that. I was um, a witness in that court case as well to say, actually, we are workers. So we had to prove we were workers in order to create our union. And we won that case. So the judges at uh, the appeal court, we went to the appeal court. Nobody challenged it from the local authorities or the DFE. Nobody challenged it. So it didn't go to Supreme Court. The union was formed and we were considered workers for the for the point of uh, having a union. But of course, because the judge only ruled on that, they said, well, oh, it's only for the union. So we then said, oh, right, okay, we've got to start again here. And we've got to take some court, court cases through court to prove that mainstream foster carers are in fact workers. So um, we had the first, um, I can't go into detail because I think it's, you know, you're not allowed to until mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah. But <clears throat> how did I feel about it? Um, I felt that the government came in rather confident that they were just going to say, we're building loving homes built on love and we aren't having anything to do with it, basically. But interestingly, I think they thought that would work because it was a family court judge. But... Um, I, I honestly think it was going a little bit in our favour. You can never can tell ever, and even if we don't succeed, we'll 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 then um, challenge it onto Supreme Court. Now, um, it, the ruling, the the summing up is in December. Anyone yeah. can go. I'll put the details out there, and then the the ruling will be in the new year. So, where does that leave us? In all honesty, now nobody wants to go to court. No one. Yeah. But if they'd listened, if they would listen, if they would improve things for foster carers, if they would make the allegations system better, if they would protect us in whistleblowing, if they would give us the proper breaks that carers desperately need in order to keep going, you know, we wouldn't be at court. But the way we can establish that is through worker status. And then we have a legal entitlement to time off um, and whistleblowing protection, the right to unionise and have collective bargaining and everything like that. That's, I mean, I, I guess it's watch this space really, isn't it? Because I guess mm-hmm. depending on what happens out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I am conscious that we've, we're, we're, we usually only go about 45 minutes, got 10 more minutes. One of the things that we, I think I, we had this conversation, I think it was an online conversation. Um, I was going to say spat. It wasn't a spat. Um, mm. 
it might turn into a spat. And <laughs> you talked, it was more trying me trying to ask questions. You talked about um, foster carers having transferable registrations. And I couldn't quite, I don't know whether it was my kind of doctrination in the current system that made me unable to see how that would work or me having questions. So can you explain that? Because obviously, uh, I guess from my point of view is that the agency or the organisation that approves you holds your registration and you mm. were sort of saying well actually why don't foster carers hold registration yeah, is it as simple I as that i feel that form of ownership if i'm honest and when you're a foster care and you've been one for many years it is a form of ownership mm. and you have to be very very careful what you say what you you know how you do things how you are with you know it's a, it's a <laughs> really walking on eggshells thing at time and because of that ownership they can get rid of you and because we have no rights you can just be got rid of in snap of a finger really um and it's very very easy to deregister foster carers because there isn't a fair system now um do you have evidence of that happening i mean i'm not being i'm not being combative but statistically do you have any statistics on that i have done this out for on allegations i've done for i've had to i'll tell you how bad it was i had to stop and i got a sort of family intervention almost um, because I'd be up to two o'clock at night all day on the phone to people. I mean, I have done thousands of them and they they are heartbreaking and they bring you to your knees. And so few of them are actually truly and honestly about harm to a child. There is so much. There's so much that goes on with the allegation system that shouldn't. I don't want to use all the. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Words, but, yeah, big, um, I, angry words. We can do more work on it, but you know, the statistics are 78% of them are unfounded or unsubstantiated. And yes, I know before you say that is a complex description, but notice when you're a foster carer, you can either be guilty or a little less guilty. You could never not have done it. Well, so you it's, get left with this yeah. stain on your record. But let's go back to the ownership of the fostering um, uh, your registration yeah i would like to see a central licensing body similar to social work england right so that foster carers go and they get you know um assessed passed to be foster carers they hold their own license in their hand this is what france have done since 1989 and it's very successful. So before anyone goes, oh, what? Because they, it's very good out there. Um, and actually, you go to the bank out there, and they roll out the red carpet a bit for you. You know, if you're a foster carer, they don't see it as the sort of lowly um, occupation it is they, that they mm. do here. I mean, it, it just seems sensible, doesn't it? I mean, we've got a national database for DBS. Um, I know, <laughs> I know that's kind of not relevant but we've got you know a national database of schools with Ofsted and all that sort of stuff so why shouldn't you know if, mm. if people are being assessed as foster carers to be assessed on a kind of national mm. um, system should we say and you know to have the kind of the issues like you've just said you know with um, allegations and all that sort of stuff to have that dealt with by professionals who can actually deal with it and yeah mm. and and mm. you know to have evidence that you know this is the case yeah. and then you know yeah. rather than 
foster carers feeling like, you know, it's no different if you get accused of something at work. I know it's slightly different, but if you get mm. accused of something at work and it goes to HR, mm. that's the process. And yes, mm. that causes you undue stress. Of course it does. But, you know, when we're talking about fostering, it's one person that could potentially make a decision on whether that, that child's going to stay with you or not. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the way it is. I, personally speaking, I don't think it is. You know. and, peop- and children get moved unnecessarily too. Yeah. And it can mm. be grudges. It can be because somebody's complained about the social worker. I, I promise you, I'm not making that up. And what, what we really need to do as well, there's too, I don't say it alone here. There's too many people that say it. You could speak to Robin Finley at the union because he's dealing with a lot of these things. But I think what we really need to do is the industry need to stop pretending that the people that are having trouble are just a few and everyone else is really, really happy. Yeah. They diminish they de- they're not doing it, they're not doing this community of foster care is any good. People are just leaving. Um, and people aren't joining. And it's no good, to, you know, diminishing or, or disparaging those viewers, either troublemakers or they, oh, well, you know, it's just, they aren't. It's a really, really um, unhappy sector. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, the people at the top as well never get this filtered up to them because their social workers will say, oh, everyone's happy, so-and-so's happy, this is all going well, you know. There's this massive disparity between the top of the chain and and what actually gets filtered up to them from the front line. Yeah. But it, it feels we also have a two-track system. We've got carers. I mean, I don't know. I've got no statistical evidence for this whatsoever, but I would probably expect that carers within local, certain local authorities are probably less happy within some independence and maybe more happy. And that mm. reflects a system where how the funding works. And there's lots of evidence to suggest mm. it makes no odds ultimately to who, mm. you know, from a financial point of view. But one of the things I reflected on was you, you use the comparison of me as a social worker. Well, I paid for my own training and I paid for my own mm-hmm. registration. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, to reach, to get my license as a social mm. worker, it's my, it's my license, but I paid for it. Mm. I, and what's the system in France? And so I, I'm asking questions about a system that you're kind of hypothesizing. Yeah, I mean, about. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, they don't pay for it out in France. They, the, the, it is funded by the government and funded by the, the central licensing body. Um, in America, interestingly enough, you pay about $9,000, I've heard, um, to foster. Um, and you, you know, but I don't, they don't have any better outcomes than us. I but, think yeah. that if you imagine how much the local authorities and the agencies won't have to do anymore, you won't have to have, um, you won't have to do any assessments, you won't have to do any recruitment, you won't have to do any panels, you won't have to do any allegations, all goes like it does to Social Work England to, to there. You obviously, Obviously, you've got to tidy up a bit of bits there because, you know, if there is a safeguarding risk, that would have to be dealt with quite quickly. But, and I'm not denying that, there are obviously complexities to it, but we've got to, we have to do something. And honestly, if not now, when? Because it's all not, it's all, you know, it's all getting pretty desperate out there. The recruitment crisis is is terrifying Mm. when you look at the figures. Yeah. And it's the same in Ireland because we talked to um, Deirdre McDonough, who's the managing director, stroke CEO of uh, Five Rivers Fostering in Ireland a couple of months ago. And recruitment here is uh, not here because I'm in the UK at the minute, but in Ireland, it's just as bad. 
they've mm. got, you know, they're really struggling mm. to find foster care as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, do you think that maybe some of that is just as perception of what fostering is? Mm. I think it's very much to do with the narrative. And I think in our modern eco, eco sort of um, social economic landscape, I think that it's the old woman in the shoe narrative is just not, you know, compatible with what people want. Mm. Or and and actually, what's the real shame about it? This is not true, because I'll tell you what: nobody, but nobody, recommends fostering more than me. Some people will often say to me, "Well, you keep putting it down." No, no, I just want change to make it better. And fostering is an incredible thing to do. I don't want to come out with the usual superlatives because. I think those superlatives are the things that get us into trouble in the first place. You know, it's so rewarding or it's fun, you know, but there is nothing quite like it. And I can't explain the why or the whatever, but it's a way of life. Um, Mm -hmm. It is. It's really meaningful. Um, You know, I think I'll be on my deathbed. I won't be. I'll be saying, well, I did that. (laughs) You know, you see that you change lives. It's absolutely incredible thing to do. Is it hard? Yes. You on your knees often, but it's a sort of challenging on your knees where you know you've got to get up again and you're not quite sure how, but you're going to, yeah. you know, yeah. if not for the kids. <laughs> I mean, I reflect on people I know and I've met and, you know, I I'm, I was a foster care. I'm not a foster care, mm. care anymore um, because, you know, we adopted the children we were asked to. Um, and I often reflect that when you talk to people who've been foster carers, and you say, well, how, what did you find? And you, they'll talk about things and they'll go, well, we expected it to be hard work with children, mm. but we didn't expect the system. We didn't no. expect, and, and it's a conversation around, those are the conversations mm. where people go, I didn't quite appreciate what it's like to have a social worker. Yeah. And I think we, we've got to have mm. social workers. We can't get around from that or to have people no, coming no, in no, my no, home, no, the number no. of meetings, but also that peculiar dynamic of, you know, in my in my not like you in your normal life, you're a professional, you're a qualified mm-hmm. professional, highly yeah, respected, absolutely. yada yada yada. But when you step into a looked after child review, you are, mm-hmm. and I say this in inverted commas, you are just the foster carers. Yeah, and yeah. speak yeah. when you're spoken to, yeah. and yeah. that kind of thing. And it I think does that's, need, that's to, what we need to change. Yeah, and definitely. and yeah, and I think that you the the just foster care stuff has to change because it's not actually true. If you take this job seriously, trust me, it's. It's it's very skilled. It's very nuanced. I mean, it's visceral, but it's incredibly hard. But if you're equipped and you're educated in doing it, it's and I think we need to really value it hugely for what it is. Much more trauma informed care. We need people, foster carers to be able to go, look, I've got a qualification, you know, a recognized qualification. And we're working on the recognition at the moment. Um, we, we we've run it past a couple of accreditation boards and they they love it. But they kind of take it off you it's very complex anyway but we're um you know we will get some endorsements and things but you know we we, this is a way of respecting carers and and actually it's that step towards that professionalization the central licensing body and things like that um if we've got proper qualifications and people and also if you look on the national foster carers website when it comes out on friday there's also an evidence page it's a bit of a long read (laughs) 11,000 words wrong, but long, but it, it goes back over the years. It goes through all care reviews and everything and everything that people have said and the lots of research by people like the Social Market Foundation on why we need this mm. and what boxes it will tick um, and what we why we need to 
Yeah, I mean, we all, so many people talk about valuing foster carers, but I don't think they recognise just how to value them. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I went to my local authority and said, we should have a social workers and a foster carers day where one does a day in the life of, the other does a day in the life of, to sort of bond people together a bit rather than this, them and us. And I ended up doing a cup of tea and bingo with the social workers. And all the social workers sat in one corner, all the foster care in the other. And I was like, oh, I can't believe this is Wasted their arms, what I just said. Also, what's really, really important, everybody, everybody, including the social workers, including the IR, who's the managers, <clears throat> a lot of them are weary. And I think that that, that them and us thing, because they everyone's got their own pain or struggles or differences and it's theirs and they can't see the others and I think that we need to there's some way that we can make that sector make the social workers and the foster carers such much much more coherent entity who are all working together there isn't enough of that I don't think and we're at probably the end of our time limit and um, mm. I've got a few comments, um, a few from a couple of social workers, supervising social workers, ah. I believe. Um, <laughs> probably. Yeah, so I, I could say anything, but no, they're, they're genuinely kind of affirming what you're saying um, on our Facebook page. So if people want to check in and add comments and keep mm -hmm. commenting and um, mm -hmm. one saying specifically, I support so many carers now who leave in moral distress. So I'm mm. presuming that they mean that the carers actually just find themselves caught in a system that they feel just not yeah. comfortable with. No. Um, another one from a uh, another social worker is I received a call from an applicant or a potential applicant asking me to provide a room because he wants to do fostering and he has no room available. <laughs> and I think so. Yeah, I think that when we that look at the 138,000, if that goes in the stats, yeah. that's people who are, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, but I think that that I maybe do, does reflect. Yes. That yeah. could be if it comes through a website. You know, if someone mm. then it mm. goes in the stats, doesn't it? And it's a clear. Yeah. No, we're not going to build you a new house and <laughs> set you up. Um, and then the yeah. last one is from I believe a foster carer. Let me see. Um, yeah, uh, this is in relation to um, money and saying um, how many people apply for a job without knowing what they will be remunerated. And I think that's, mm. yeah, absolutely that's important. Why would you do or they, that? Or they're promised one thing and get another. That's the big one as well. Yeah. And sort of We're giving my you line is... fees for high needs children. And then when the child arrives, oh, sorry, it's, this isn't high needs, this one. Well, I mean, I work in North London and I've seen bush shelters that have said you can earn up to £850 a week for a child. No. Uh, and you go well. That's one particular child with an awful mm. lot of needs. That's yeah, but I, I've not, I've not known that foster carer. I mean, yeah. we were on high fees. We were on high fees in Hampshire, but nowhere near that. Yeah, that's that's mm. special money. Um, mm. Sarah, thank you so much. It's been thank as you. always fasc fascinating. I feel like we could we could have literally done a three or four hours at this, <laughs> but that yeah, that yeah. feels like I know Scott's got to be somewhere, haven't you, Scott? Mm. Have I? Oh, maybe that's just a secret. No, no, that was, yeah, that originally that was a plan, but sadly the person whose birthday it is uh, decided to contract pneumonia. Oh, so, no. Um, it's yeah, all about so, them. So we're not going anywhere. Oh, I hope oh. it gets better. That was the reason why we did this so early, so I could go out mm. tonight, but I'm not going anywhere now. So Excellent. Never mind. Well, thanks for the opportunity, guys. It's always so lovely to be on with you. And uh, you can... You can um, 
sing us out with the with your theme tune, can't you? Oh, wiki wiki wah, <laughs> wiki wiki wah. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Look after yourself, Sarah. Yeah, Thanks, we'll Sarah. do. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.